0: Here he is. Hello, mate. Can you hear me, all right? I can hear you. So, Jamba, here we've got a
1: new sponsor. Yes, mate. So, for Season 2 of the Hit in the Air is podcast, we have a brand new sponsor. Uh, the guys at Ellsbury Glazing Repairs have kindly sponsored us for this season. Um, so, for any sort of glazing and window repairs, they're your guys to go to. So you know when um, your windows blow and you get all that sort of condensation and, and maybe some water inside the glass? Yeah. These are the guys to talk to. Um, I've literally just had it done. My missus has been banging on for ages about getting it done. I had them come in. They've taken a look and they've done a brilliant job. It's like I've got a new glass. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking for... Um, that type of service in the area, so any sort of window repairs or any glazing specialities, um, you need to give them a call. So you can give them a call on 07 730995, or you can email them at glazing repairs at hotmail.com Now they normally serve the lights of Buckinghamshire, Oxfordshire, Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. Um and their aim is to give you a clear view every time. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Nice one, Jambo. Let's get back to the podcast. Welcome to the Hit in the Areas podcast with me, Jamie Roberts, and my co-host, Richard Kyson. Rich, how are you? I'm really good, Jambo. Really good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, good. We are one down. Uh, Massive thanks to Mickey Hazard for coming on last week and... um, yeah brilliant podcast we've had a lot of good reviews from mainly you know mainly Spurs fans which is obviously fair enough but um, there's some real good nuggets in there for young players uh, some really good uh, um, information from Mickey about you know technique and 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 changing your game up and stuff like that so it's a real good listen for any young footballers out there that are, that are trying to make their way in the game um this week we are going very very different very Mm. different so this week you you've managed to pull off a a a real good one here mate um we have got the england senior kit man pat frost um so pat will be well known across the football world um especially in the professional game um he's worked for lots of clubs lots of nations um, but yeah we managed to get the England senior kit man and and you've wanted a kit man for a long time and who better to get
0: yeah <laughs> ever since we started this jambo uh I, thought, I, I, I think in the first like week or so I said I, I really wanted a kit man um purely because you know you, you never hear like you never hear the game from their sort of, you know from their side of it and uh um like you say how better to hear that from the England kit man you know you, you, you what a what an amazing job! Um, other than his day job, he you know three or four times a year he'll just meet up with the England lads, sort all their kit. I mean, uh, you know, he, obviously he has to be professional, which I'm sure he is. But um, other than being a player, it's probably the the next best thing, I guess. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll find that out.
1: Yeah, I kind of get what you mean there, as in next best thing because of the relationship they have with the players Mm. um you know you know everyone wants to be like a coach or a manager or whatever and stuff like that but you know the the closeness that they'd have with a bunch of bunch of players uh, must be quite good um so pat's ready so let's get him on Okay, so we'd love to welcome our guest today, Mr. Pat Frost. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure, thanks for asking me. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Rich, do you want to say hello?
0: Hi Pat, how are you doing mate? Thanks yeah, for coming very on. well my friend, very well, thank you. Good stuff. So for those that don't know, um, Pat Frost is the Senior England Kitman. Pat, let's let's start off at the beginning I suppose. Um, how did you get into becoming a Kitman?
2: Um, I've got a little transport business, and in 2003, I was asked to take some stuff to Sweden. At the time, I just said yes, it was no problem, it was um, a delivery. It just so happened it was the football kit for the England under-19 girls. I dropped it off at the hotel, accidentally bumped into the head coach, a lady called Maureen Marley, and hit it off with her. They didn't have kitmen in those days, the youth squads, and basically I was in the right place at the right time, and it just went on from that, really. Oh wow, that's that's quite. Uh, uh, I suppose it's fate, I guess.
0: Um, yeah.
2: So, you, did you then start working for England straight away? Um, I I didn't miss a game then with the under nineteen girls for about twelve years, including going to World Cups, European Championships, friendlies all over the world. It just went on from that actual trip. Oh that's wow! The first well, one.
0: I bet that's a hell of an experience going
2: to those major tournaments. Unbelievable experience. I've been lucky enough to do. Seven or eight World Cups and about 25 European Championships now. So, you obviously started with the
0: uh, England under 19 women. How did that progress into the men's game?
2: Um, well, I've actually worked at every age group 15, 16, 17s, 18s, 19s, 20s, 23s, and seniors. Wow. And the 21s, they've got a squad almost at every level, including I've worked with futsal, I've worked with disability squads. I've done my apprenticeship through the years with the youth squads and I've just been lucky enough to move up the ladder kind of thing.
0: Wow, so you've worked your way all the way up to the top. What sort of rewards do you get out of it? Why do you keep on doing it?
2: Well, first of all, I'm a footy fan. So I have got the best. There's only one job better than mine and that's playing, I'm sure of that. Um, It's a job. It's how I earn my living now as well with the transport. And I get to watch football and I get paid. So I'm not sure it gets much better than that for a
0: football you're, fan. No, you're right. To be fair, um, I've, I've always thought being a kit man probably is like the next best thing other than playing. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of people out there will, will think that being a kit man is literally just like hanging it up, washing <laughs> it, but th- there's so much more into it. Can you give us a bit of an insight into um, like a week in the life of being the England senior kit man?
2: Yeah, it's amazing how many people do think it's just a case of hanging a shirt up. And you can, I can tell you now, my, my job's a bit easier than being a club kit man. Uh, unless somebody offers me a million pound year, I'm clever never going back into club football because it's hard. And when I say hard, it's almost every day. They just don't get days off because when they don't play games, they'll recover. So club kit men now, uh, you know, they're under a lot of pressure and they've probably got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Some of them at the big clubs. Um, so it's a tough gig being a club kit man. I'm I'm a little bit better off with working with England. You know, we play in November, we then play again in March, um, then again in May, June, you know. So I'm a bit lucky in that respect. I'm not at it all day, every day. I am running my transport business at the same time. I do employ 15 kitmen who I supply to the football federations of England, Scotland, and Wales. And occasionally, if, for instance, Forest kitmen at Christmas both went down with COVID. So a couple of my lads went in to help out sort of thing, you know. So although I'm not, between November and March, I'm not working as a kit man for England, I'm still making sure all the other squads have got their kit. I drove to Spain last week with the under-19 girls uh, just to drop their kit off, you know. So I, I'm always busy, but I'm not working as a kit man all the time, if you know what I mean. Wow, so uh, that that's obviously new to me and, and I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm actually actually that's new to a lot of the listeners. So you, you have to drive the kit down, but that
2: isn't flown down with them. No, it's not flown. Um, Pretty much for financial reasons, because if you're taking a ton and a half of, equip- of equipment, which is what we do nowadays in a van, yeah, you can't take that as a luggage on a flight because it's too expensive. We will get there the day before the team. We'll set the hotel up, set the kit room, set the medical room up, set the meeting room up. So when the, the team arrive, on a Monday afternoon, we arrive there on a Sunday and they'll walk into the hotel as if it's already set up for them. It's like a proper operation, isn't it? Like Massive, yeah. There's so much goes into it, you can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah, and clubs do that as well, by the way. It's not just mm. national teams, clubs do it. We we take the kit on the road for West Ham. We're going to um, Seville next week with them. We do United, we do City, we do Tottenham. We do exactly the same for them as we do with England squads. Get there early, get set up so that when the squad arrive, the team arrive, the staff arrive, everything's sorted for them, ready to rock and roll. Wow, that's incredible. So how many?
0: So, so let's say you've got like an international break coming up with England. Yeah. How many, how many kitmen are there for that first team? For that squad there's, of 23, Rough, or, or
2: like 20, whatever it is. There's two. I've got an unbelievable assistant who works with me. There's two of us with the seniors. There's two with 21s, 20s, 19s, 18s, 17s, 16s, 15s, all have one kitman.
1: Would you, would you be able to explain, like, I mean, obviously Rich has touched on it already about the, it's not literally just about the kit. So what else would actually go into the preparation for uh, a squad arriving for one of these internationals?
2: Well, we, we've got um, a squad of 23 players, maybe 25 for the next international break and possibly 35, 40 members of staff from the media team, the communications, the medical team, video analysis, coaching staff, team operations. You know, they've all got departments and, that you know, you're at the high end of the industry here, so um, we'll pack all the uh, people. As, as it stands at the moment, there's a lad at the warehouse, and he, not right now, during the days, so he's packing up the kit, whether it be medical, PPC, physical performance, um, team operation stuff, we'll get it all ready. And over the next couple of weeks, we will then go in to pick that up on the Friday before we meet up, and we'll transport it over to St. George's Park. So with the senior team, we'll probably take about three tonne of kit and equipment with us for the 10 days. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. For anyone
1: listening, that for anyone listening, that's about I think that's about three Mercedes sprinter vans. worth, I think is that it's about right. <laughs> well, we do bang on actually. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I work yeah. in logistics as well that. Yeah. So I, that, I <laughs> so I can understand why you fly why you don't fly. Um, yeah. so yeah, I understand that. <laughs>
2: And also, uh, well, the, when, you, when you send kits on the flights and that, stuff can go missing. If it's in the vans, we know where it is and we can look after it ourselves. Yeah. I bet that's a nightmare going through customs, isn't it? Uh, do you know what? Uh, Brexit has um, almost uh-huh. worked in our favour because you have to have the right paperwork. If you don't have the right paperwork, you're not going anywhere. And we have something that's called a temporary, temporary import document, which we get stamped at Dover or Folkestone to leave the UK and then we get it stamped when we come back in. So you know, it's actually quite straightforward for us. Oh, happy days.
0: I, w- I want to go into, um, so you're, you're, you know, um, you, you sort of got into this by accident um, and then years years of hard work and enjoyment. You then find yourself being asked to, to then be the kit man for the England senior side. Do you get a bit of... Um, uh, I don't know what it's called, but uh, do you get a bit nervous when you meet all these like stars? People like Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney. Do you...
2: I I don't, and it's going to sound... Um, I don't know how it sounds to yourself when I say I don't, but if you do, you're not going to be able to keep your job and you're not going to be able mm. to do it. You yeah, know, if, if Jack Grealish turns up with his boots when we take them off him, if I'm saying, oh, Jack, can I have a selfie with you and stuff like that, can you sign this? I'm not going to be working for this squad. Simple as that. You know, you've got to be, um, you've got to be cute. You've got to be clever. You've got to be do your job. You have got to do it honestly, and you can't afford to lose the trust of the players. So you can't be hassling them for stuff and being starry eyed and oh, you know, it's Jack Grealish. You know, you, mm. you can't be doing that. It's simple. I suppose as that, they wouldn't
0: want that either, would they? They don't want that.
2: They just want Absolutely someone not. to do their job. No. So no, he wants to walk in and mean- have a go at Albion and I'll have a go at Villa from the (laughs) old days. And that's that's what he does. He
1: takes the mickey out of me, and I take the mickey out of him, and that's it. It's great. Which that leads on to when you were saying about, oh, obviously, if we can't play it, the next best thing is a kit, man, because your relationship with the players is probably so close because, you know, a lot of the players will like their kit in specific ways, absolutely stuff like that. So yeah, they you're going to have that relationship with the players where they need to where where you you're yeah trust. And them. as
2: kitmen, we can't afford to lose the trust of the kitmen of right. the players. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. What's it like interacting with the
0: manager? Does do they try and not try, but do they implement certain things? Have you have you noticed changes from different managers with relating to kit or things they need equipment?
2: Uh, no, do you know what we've got the lowest um the, the coaching staff we've got at the moment now, if we make sure they've got um ten mannequins, some mini goals, some flat disc cones, and the balls at the right pressure, they don't hassle us for anything. It, they're the they're the best group of staff we could possibly be working with the coaching wise. They're absolutely brilliant. They're they're just not demanding at all. Mm.
0: I suppose that makes your job a hell of a lot easier. Absolutely <laughs> does, yeah. Yeah. And also going on.
1: But going on to that, does that mean because obviously these or everyone, anyone at the elite level will be of a high performance nature, mentality, and stuff like that? Does that? Oh, I suppose that's a compliment to you guys that you're running a high performance network of, you know, supplying those those that well, kit and and supplies.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've no, I've no doubt at all that the lads in the PPC department, the lads in the analysis department. No, they're working at the top end of the industry. So, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying they're the best, if you know what I mean. But you're you're not working with England senior team if you're not any good at what you do. Correct. Simple as that. You know.
0: Let's just talk a bit about um, when you're with the England. When you're with the with the England senior team. So you've been to some major tournaments. The last one would have been the Euros. Um, how was that? What was it like being in that atmosphere? with a team doing so well, performing well, um, playing, playing games in our home stadium in a massive tournament. What was that like, Pat? Uh,
2: it, it's actually difficult to put in words because you, you would have seen what the atmosphere was like on the terraces at Wembley. It's something I've never experienced before following England. Uh, I think there was probably half the amount of fans in the crowd for the Germany game. And the atmosphere for that was absolutely unbelievable. I probably won't experience anything again unless, unless we actually win the World Cup at Wembley one year. You know, it was brilliant against Denmark and it was brilliant against Ukraine in Italy. But that Germany game was unbelievable. And to be involved in the whole, well, almost 50 days from when we met up in the Northeast to play the two games at Middlesbrough. You know, we, we were together for, I think, 48 days. And it was just, to be part of it, it, it is hard to explain. You know, I'm, I'm no different to you. I, I follow my team home and away on a Saturday, and then what I get if I wasn't working with England 100%, I'm in Qatar trying to get tickets to watch the games. And the fact that I'm involved with the whole thing, you know, it's it is difficult to put into words how good it is and what the feeling is like. You know, I'm stood on the side of the pitch for the penalty shootout. Wow, you know I mean?
0: and also part of the celebrations and absolutely for those, yeah. for those big wins, yeah, there for
2: incredible. the good times and the bad times. Brilliant.
1: Does Gareth, um, we, went, we said a little bit about um, obviously them not uh, sort of interfering as much, but does Gareth make all of his staff very much one team rather than different, different departments? Is it because, that, I mean, that's the way it kind of looks like from the outside, that he has changed a mentality at England or changed an atmosphere and a philosophy around England. Would you say that it is all very much one, one team altogether?
2: 100% it is I mean different managers have different styles you know yeah. that's a fact that's the way it is I, I was in South Africa with um, um, Fabio. was in, uh, Fabio Capello I was in um, Brazil when Roy was there and oh, wow. managers are different all I can say is now with what Garrett's created you can't wait to go back on camp you actually want to be on camp you know we, we were away for 45 48 days at the Euros and within three days of coming home You're texting the other members of staff and you get messages off the odd player. Oh, this time last week, you know, it's one of them. That's what he's managed to create. Everybody wants to be there. He doesn't micromanage any of the departments. Mm. He's just a great bloke to work for.
1: One thing I um one thing I did used to like, well, watch during the Euros and suppose the World Cup prior, uh, is the videos, the YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, and the YouTube chat. And you can just see how um what a great atmosphere it is when they all meet up there's none of the old sort of and I don't want to put words in people's mouths but you know it was seen on BT Sport when they were saying it about Rio Gerard Lampard yeah that. yeah yeah you, do you know what I mean like with the yeah. clubs the club sort of thing and yeah. you, you, they just come together now and you see them all sort of you know like Declan with Harry Kane even though it's like West Ham Tottenham and stuff yeah. like that so it it looks like he has simply changed the way England Needs to be as a national team, um, yeah. As that, to, like say with Roy and stuff, yeah. Yeah, he's true. almost managed to create a club mentality
2: at international level, which I can tell you now, is not easy to do.
1: No. You
2: know, managers have tried and failed. It's not easy to do, but Gareth has actually done that. And to be fair, the people at the FA, you know, the big hitters, they organise St George's Park. I mean, we were there for a long time, and we're in a bubble. Don't forget, you know, we're not going out. there's no one's seen their family or friends. I, I didn't see my missus or kids, even though they came to the games. You can't go over and give them a hog or anything like that because of the bubbles. He's he's just managed to create something, and and what they did at Saint George's Park, where we had a big basketball court there, the lads yeah. spent a lot of time on that. You'd have seen the videos of yeah. um, Mason of, and Declan, the yeah. singer <laughs> came in as well. Didn't you? I? Can't even remember his name on. Oh, who was it? Who the singer who came in? I don't know. Oh. I had a singer coming. in. I don't know. I haven't yeah.
1: seen that. No, they've
2: got the videos. Oh god, I've seen that. I must have been one that I missed. The ginger lad, I can't even remember his name. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Yes, that's him. <laughs> yeah, so I he came in that. and did a little gig for the players and whatever, you, know.
0: It just builds oh, that team spirit, doesn't it. it? Yeah, it does, yeah. And yeah, does. You, you know, you look at you look at all, all the successful teams throughout our history, they've all had that. They've Absolutely, all had that. yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, so it, it is actually amazing to hear from someone who's not a player, because obviously all, all players usually not uh, usually, they have to say, not they have to say, but they always say something, you know, that sort of goes along with the narrative. So to hear from it someone behind the scenes is actually really impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that all I guess is, uh, that is all testament to Gareth.
2: Yeah, and if um, you don't have that, by the way, you're not winning anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, agree That's with that. That's
1: a fact. Uh, the proof's in the pudding, because you look at the World Cup prior, getting to where we got to, and then, you know, getting to the semi-final. Now getting to a final, mm. right? Not getting there, unfortunately. Yeah. What a horrible night! But uh, <laughs> um, you know, Qatar is the ne- is the next thing to go to go that one step pro- yeah. one step closer. And it is proof that it's working. It is yeah. working. No matter you know, beating teams like Germany, like we've had over the years, it's, it's not been an easy feat for England, yeah. and um, and convincingly <laughs> as well. By the way, during that game, That yeah, was yeah. brilliant game, of football
0: let's just go back to talking a bit about kit your job pat yeah what what's the main um what's the main sort of changes you've seen since you first started to now like where we're at
2: now well so for instance when i went to sweden in 2004 i think i took half a van of kit and equipment with us You, you can't get it on a van nowadays things have moved on with sports science and physical performance and stuff like that you know in 2004, if I said to you, "Oh, we're going to have a watt bike on the side of the pitch for a cool down or warm up," you'd have been laughed out of town. Yeah. It, those yeah. those sort of things are happening now. Everything's moved moved on. If you know what I mean.
0: Do you have responsibility for everything? So things like a warm up bike on the side of the pitch, ice baths, uh, even down to sock tape. I guess you have to cover everything.
2: Well, actually, we do cover soft tape, which I hate, by the way. A, <laughs> but no, the, the P, we've got some great lads who work for us. The, the PPC will look after all their stuff. We'll transport it down by the van, mm. but they'll have it all ready by the door. You know, we, they, we don't have to worry about their departments or the video analysis stuff. They all look after their own oh, e- okay. equipment. Oh, yeah. it's, we are only looking after the kit. It would be impossible okay. to do, which yeah. is why there's 35, 40 members of staff of course. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be
1: my next question: is the the technology side of things with the monitors and stuff like that, and yeah, laptops, yeah. and yeah, well, you've seen it. them.
2: They're they're watching the game on laptops exactly, yeah. so they can see anything, even for the injury side. If someone gets a knock, they're assessing the tackle and stuff like that. You know, wow. things have moved on. Things have moved on a lot since I first started twenty years ago.
0: I'm going to just throw in like a little curveball question here. As a as a kit man, what's the strangest request you, that you've had from a player?
2: Um, do you know what? I used to leave Ben Foster a little block of dairy milk for half-time when I worked at Albion. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> You'd have a cup of tea and a bit of chocolate. Um, really? Shane Long liked a can of Pepsi at the end of the game what? to have a bit of sugar, I'm guessing, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But we, we don't get any real quirky uh, requests, to be fair. I can't even yeah. make anything up because we, just, <laughs> we don't. If you know what I mean? There's, mm. there's, there's nothing that
1: stands out. There's, I'm sure, there's players that like shorts slightly over too long or too short, and then they have socks that they want a bit more fit in. So yeah, you get those kind of like those those kind of things for the yeah. We get look, we've got three look or th- f- style. Yeah, yeah.
2: We've got three or four different types of ankle socks which lads will wear, or or cut yeah. off socks, you know, mm. and um, or Underarmers that they want cut into a tank top side type thing or That's take it, the yeah. sleeves off long sleeve short sleeve under shorts but well, you probably notice nowadays this, the shirts are fitted to perfection mm, yeah. yeah and the shorts no one has baggy shorts anymore they're all nice and tight you know they're mm. all nicely tight fitted
0: yeah they're not all wearing extra large like they were. <laughs> no they're not these... no. no those <laughs> no, days you, gone. yeah the, yeah those days <laughs> baggy
1: um, shirts I, going on to that because sometimes you see like um players like you were saying with um like holes in their shirts and stuff like that For
0: you see like, them with, with like holes in the calves as well that's, yeah.
1: yeah like
2: are you having the one to do that no no we don't but thankfully for our level the shorts shirts and socks the players get to keep all those after the game so they can <laughs> do literally what they a whole new
0: game. kit every 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 game
2: yes well, yeah, take we might, note. <laughs> we, Not everyone takes all their shorts. Mm. And we'll try and recycle them if we can, but we don't get stressed over that with grass stains and stuff like that. We've always got enough to make sure that everyone's got a brand new set of kit for every game.
1: Right. Yeah, so take note, non-league players, stop cutting yeah. holes in socks and cutting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they get to take them home and you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: throughout the years pat uh, you must have um, you've obviously been exposed to some of the best footballers in the world probably the best footballers in the world and, and obviously although you although you don't expect it as you go through because it is a job you you are obviously professional you obviously probably get some form of memorabilia from certain players
2: do you have like a most sort of treasured one do you know what you're not going to believe this i actually haven't got a single shirt really? i've never collected them Never, I, I I had a couple from my Albion days, you know, signed by Chris Brunt and mm. Nicholas Anelka and stuff like that. But I just never collected shirts ever. If somebody gives me a shirt and we do get them, that you know, the odd one left over, if anybody asks me one to raise money for charity or kids or yeah. stuff like that, I'll just hand it over. I actually physically don't have a shirt. You can probably see from my background, my vice is Adidas like yeah.
0: trainers. It leads on to the trainer
2: wall, the famous trainer wall. Yeah, so I'd actually don't collect shirts. Unbelievably. So how did the trainer wall start? I blame uh, Sporty Spice when she hit the scene. She wore a pair of black and white Sambas. I thought, oh, they look smart. So, yeah, Sporty Spice is full. <laughs> so
0: Sambas. how many pairs have you got? Because that is quite impressive.
2: Uh, I think I've got about 400 now. Wow. Yeah. The kids Brilliant won't be after my house shit. when I pass away, by the way. They'll be <laughs> after my trainers. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: it's Brilliant. only in a size 11, Pat.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Um, brilliant football in indoor football shoe, Samba. Brilliant. Yes, you you're love right. Playing yeah. an M for indoor, Pat, give us the. Okay, let us talk about a match day. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about. Uh, I mean, you like you say you work long hours and it's, it's a seven day job. On a match day, what's the sort of start to finish of a of a match day? How would that look? Well, depending on
2: kickoff times, um, let's just say it's an eight o'clock kickoff yeah the night before I have got I don't know if my assistant will watch this his name's Neil Jones by the way he's he's absolutely brilliant he'll do everything with it regarding the kit and I'll look after logistics and stuff like that he will pack up the 23 individual piles the day before we'll put them all in a big trolley and I will print up I'll put the names uh, the numbers on the names of the shirts the night before and if we've got an eight o'clock kickoff for instance about 11 12 o'clock the lads will do a a walk through of set plays and stuff like that about midday. And after that, we will then go to the stadium, whether it be Wembley, Hamden Park, wherever it is, we will try and get to the stadium about three o'clock, which is three or four hours before kickoff. But when you've got to unload two, three tonne of kit and you don't know what access is going to be like, where you're going, um, we'll then set up. And ideally we'll be set up with an hour to spare just in case there's any issues and stuff like that. In fact, um, about a year ago, I printed a number one upside down on one of the shirts, which might seem like a minor thing, but there's a little England crest on these number ones, and I printed it upside down. So when Neil's just checking everything's right, the reason you get there early so you can put things like that. You know, I've had to print another shirt up, for instance, just to think. You know, you do make the odd mistake. You just got to make sure yeah. you check and put them right.
1: So those 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 numbers don't come pre, you know. No, we get, from Nike. We get, no, we get the shirts with the names on,
2: because obviously we yeah. don't know who's going to be in the squad. Who's ah, going to be? oh yeah, of course. So yeah. We've got to put the numbers on, but they they come from a, a chap in the Yorkshire does them for us. Um, so he puts all the names on them, and then we'll put the the numbers on the the back.
1: I'm surprised Nike when we get the that, team, like,
2: like yeah, the, the names. Hmm.
1: I'd have thought they'd have done the names. Oh, that's quite no, amazing. they do the
2: names. Sorry, they're all on. We oh, they do. The all oh, right. right.
1: Okay. Okay. Got you. Front and back. Yeah, I can understand the numbers now. I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. International football. Yeah. And I cool. suppose it
0: isn't just all the sort of pre-game prep you have to do because you, you have to be ready during the games, right? If there's a, you know, if there's like multiple head injuries, you have to have shirts at the ready, right?
2: Yeah, we do. We have, we have a bag of what we call them blood shirts. Because the last thing yeah. we want is if they go down to 10 men because someone's got a head injury and they score while we're down to 10 men and i mm. oh, Frosty, what's happened here? Having said that nowadays, again, things have moved on because if someone gets a head injury, they tend to bring them off. So you won't very often see a player go on with a head injury with blood, you know, whatever. So
0: no more Terry Butchers, is there?
2: No, no more Terry Butchers, no. Those days are gone, yeah.
0: (laughs) I just can't get over how how important Lucky Kit Man is. Even I'd say, even during the games, the blood shirts. But even like before the game, when you have over like all the eleven players walk on for the for the anthem, they yeah. then have to give someone all their anthem jackets. Anthem jackets. Yeah. You have to walk over and collect all of them. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Neil will do that normally. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he'll go straight back in and refold them because we give them uh, clean, nicely pressed, and what have you, and they only wear them for a couple of minutes. Mm, so, yeah. providing they don't chuck them on the floor and it's muddy, or Neil catches <laughs> them, we'll try and refold them just to save a bit of uh, hassle.
0: That makes sense. Um, I, I, I have to ask you this: um, Have you got any sort of funny anecdote stories for us throughout years, without without sort of incriminating anyone?
2: Uh, <laughs> you know, know what? It's when nothing springs to mind. To be fair, I mean, when the, we played in Russia for the um, Colombia game. Mm. Uh, bear in mind, we get the shirts with the names on, like I said, and we just put the numbers on. So these shirts come into us for whatever reason. Harry Maguire's shirt was marked up wrong. He would normally have a large. This was a large. It was marked up large. It was clearly an extra large shirt. He's come to put it on about six or seven minutes before kickoff, uh, and the shirt's too big. In fact, his words were, "Frosty, I've got a shirt big enough for my granddad here, so <laughs> I've, I, we've then had to print him another shirt." which isn't easy to do in five minutes. Neil's oh, out wow. on the pitch, collecting all the warm-up stuff up, the balls, you know, whatever. And I've got, I've got everything sort of like laid out, but I've got to put numbers on it front and back. I've got to put the name block on. I've got to put the detail of the Columbia game. Um, and he's literally putting his shirt on while he's in the tunnel, literally waiting to go out onto the pitch. Thankfully, he scored after about 10 minutes, didn't he? <laughs> So
0: Did he come running over to you? Yeah, no, <laughs> he didn't, as it happened.
2: Um, but we kind of got away with it, even though it wasn't really our fault because he obviously just marked labelled up wrong. Mm. Um, but I, c- I can't really give you anything because, you
1: know, yeah. nothing really funny happens. Mm. Let's put it this way then: is there a is there a certain player or players that um, that? Ask a bit too much of you, or is there a certain player that gives you the most banter? So you said Jack with West Brom. Yeah, no,
2: Jack will 100% give us a load of banter, but th- no one takes the mickey. And, you know, the skipper makes sure he keeps everybody in, in line, kind of thing. You know, if if Harry thought that someone was taking the mickey out of the kit, man, he pull them to one side, and what are you what you're doing, lads? That's their man, t- you know, that's how good it is at the moment. They, it, wow. it wouldn't happen... So we're both
0: either. Spurs fans, Pat. So, uh, oh, so, so for you to <laughs> tell us that is amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's but like. Harry... You're not old enough to remember the Ready Brett kid, are you? No, not really. No, no. there was an advert for Ready Brett with really? a little kid in it who'd walked to school with a glow all the way around him. And that's what Harry Kane's like for me. When he's on, like, he's just brilliant to have around, and I absolutely love the bloke. And we'll only know how good he is when he packs up.
0: Yeah, we will. Yeah. You're right. Um, there's this whole. There's this whole. Sort of like stigma going around that he needs to win trophies, but I I, I don't really think that 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 will matter either way. Um, it, he's still going to be England's greatest ever goal scorer, Tottenham's greatest ever goal scorer, yeah, um, and that probably means more than than FA Cup. Yeah. Um, but you're right; we'll only we'll only find out when he's gone.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And that's, that's, no, that's no mean feat, beating Jimmy Greaves' record at Tottenham either. <laughs> no, and he, he's, on, he's, he's on course to do it, isn't he? Yeah, it, and yeah. even Shearers. He's on course is. to yeah, do I everything, mean, yeah. Shearers will be tough in uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, it will, yeah. I think he might get
2: England's, though.
0: Yeah, I, thought, oh, I, I yeah. think he will, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: Hopefully in Qatar, you know. Yeah, he would be.
1: <laughs> that's really good. That's nice to hear. That's really nice to hear. I like that. That's cool.
0: Do the players do anything for you? So, at, the, at like the end of a tournament, do they, you know, do they give you a big thank you? Do you know what I mean? Like,
2: listen, you, yeah, I don't know if you saw the footage of when we were leaving after the Euros. Um, we were at the Grove at Watford, loading mm. up the vans, and three quarters of the players were still at the hotel. Some had obviously once we got bit, once the final was over, they could go off and see their families because the bubble had ended, basically. But there was still three quarters on at the hotel, and we're trying to load vans, and they're getting in their cars. And I remember because my lads, my, we had three kitmen at the Euros. The other, lad, the other kitman was my son Daniel, who's kitman with the under nineteens. And I can remember watching BBC News later that night, and Calvin Phillips is giving him a massive hug before he disappears. You know, stuff like that. When you say to do this stuff for us, they don't hassle us for anything, and that's all we ask. You know, that we know what they want, we make sure we get, we make sure they get it. Don't forget, we, we clean their boots after the training sessions, after games and what have you. They're all very appreciative.
0: Mm. I was going to come on to that. Do you look after their boots as well? Yes, you we do. do.
2: Yeah, it's a pain in the backside. Not because we don't like cleaning them. It's just <laughs> a responsibility. Yeah. I, re- I remember our first um, World Cup game, mine and Neil's, in um, Russia. And we didn't put everybody's boots out. We had them all with us because obviously we took them there. But um, Because there's so much going on in the dressing room, I remember Jordan Henderson saying to Neil, uh, where's my match boots? And Neil's looked at me. I've looked at him as if to say, what, I haven't seen them. Thankfully, they're in one of the skips, but, you know, it's just little things like that. Mm. The, the boots are a pain because they're no different to Lewis Hamilton's, Lewis Hamilton's cars. People mm. say to me, oh, flipping has got four pairs of boots. Yeah, so what? It costs 500 quid. Lewis Hamilton's got five cars, cost about <laughs> 50 million. No yeah. different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And then, Boots are, you know, they're probably... about like the main thing for a player absolutely you know yeah. that yeah. is their you know that's their sort of briefcase if you're yeah. an office worker that's yeah that's everything to them jambo you got anything got anything
1: lurking oh uh, actually yeah i'm gonna go on to the boots thing um because obviously you see the guys bring their boots in on those videos at the start and they hand their boots over and stuff like that so those those are then handed to you yeah i assume or your team um so they they get so many different 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 boots what obviously you see um is there any that's gonna it's probably gonna sound a really really boring question but from my head it's not because i used to play football so back in the day obviously when you're cleaning boots it used to be you know a bit of water a bit of scrub a bit of dubbing on what is there's anything changed from that because obviously there's that you know the the days have probably gone from the kangaroo leather and stuff like that yeah they're plastic
0: these days
1: (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean so is there a certain way to clean them I don't know that's a really boring question but to me it's not (laughs) there's actually some boots called anti-clog which well
2: you you wouldn't even know they existed but the mud just doesn't stick to them unbelievably so all we need is hot water I know it sounds crazy that they're called anti-clog boots the mud doesn't stick to them
1: the technology is unbelievable
2: are they there's the ones get, yeah, they, uh, those, oh, hold on
1: Rich hold on Rich there's dads up and down the country now gonna get grief gonna get grief from sons because you said that yeah no, look <laughs> at yeah, yeah, list anti-clog, anti-clog boots. boots yeah are they the ones Pat
0: that you have to like dip in water before you play like the well, soul
2: no we've got something called uh, well it's just a boot steamer so okay. we'll we'll put the boots in the steamer maybe some of them like them 10 minutes some them like them half an hour uh, somebody like Carl Walker will only want them in for about a minute just to soften them up. Mm. Um so there's only five or six, maybe seven or eight players who use the steamers. Some of them aren't bothered, but some of them like them nice and soft. It just heats them up basically. Yeah. I think Chelsea carry a microwave,
1: for instance. You
2: know, really? just put it in there
1: for a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It'll just soften up the new boots.
2: Yeah. I can imagine.
1: Okay, so instead of the sort of wearing-in procedure that a yeah. non-league player would yeah. have to do, where they end up getting blisters for the next <laughs> few games. That's it, yeah.
0: I remember hearing a story uh, about John Terry. He has a new pair of boots every 45 minutes. Is that right?
2: Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to know who told you that story.
0: Uh, I can't remember no, where i nothing heard makes it. any
2: difference. So I'm in um, <laughs> South Africa, I think it was, and he'd got about 45, 50 pairs of boots um, and he had he would wear a pair for the warm-up first half and second half but I remember my first job when I when he got to South Africa or when I got to South Africa was to change all the studs on his boots from 11 mil to 13 mil which doesn't sound like much but when you got flipping 50 pairs of boots all with six to eight studs in mm. it's not a five minute job that's no, a lot of hard work yeah but listen so it is in, true in, he has like three pairs of boots again uh, pretty much, he did. Yeah. I mean, we, we, most players have got four or five pairs of boots now anyway. Yeah. Mm. They don't all wear them, but they certainly swap them at half time or even maybe after the warm up. So that's not that it might sound extreme for John Taylor, but it's not, you know, mm. it's not as if it's crazy as it sounds, to be fair. Just out curiosity, why do they change
1: that? I mean, do they tell you why? Do they? It
2: could be the surface, could be a bit softer yeah. than they thought or a bit harder. They could change okay. to mold, they could change the studs, you know, that sort of stuff. Some of them got um, training. Different boots to what they're playing. They've got match boots. They've got training boots.
0: Or as per the recent news about Wayne Rooney, he wanted to hurt someone, so he put longer studs on.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was crazy hearing that, but fair enough. Going back to the boots, um, for for carrying boots, Trent Alexander-Arnold's my favourite player because he's got one pair. Really? Yeah, and that's it. Just get just one pair.
0: Oh, that's nice and easy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah.
2: (laughs) The only downside is they're normally white or pink, so they're not easy to keep. I was gonna
0: say he, he's Under Armour, isn't he? Is he Under yeah, Armour? Yeah. yeah, he yeah. is Under Armour. Yeah. What boots do you wear,
2: uh,
1: Pat? Uh, <laughs> we wear Nike ones, the standard issue ones. <laughs> oh, you would have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, just quickly, let's go on to some trivia questions. So, so obviously, you've been to a lot of football grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh obviously as a as a you know following Albion yeah. Home and Away and obviously uh going around the world of England. Yeah. Favourite international venue that you've set foot in, apart from Wembley? Uh
2: I did like doing the um the one in Rome for the Euros because we were in um Lazio's dressing room. Yeah. And it, it's you know, it was old school, it was Little oh, nice. nooks and crannies everywhere mm. and the light blue and the white. So I did like that one. It wasn't particularly big, to be fair. You know, if you ask okay. me my favourite dressing room of all time, it's probably Wigan Athletics because it's built for a rugby team. So you've got... That's massive massive. Space. Yeah, Swansea. Swansea's massive as well. And you want space as a kit man for all your skips and what have you.
1: Wow. OK, so Stadio Limco. Yeah, and what no, about it's... Albion? What's your favourite away ground with Albion? Uh
2: For for, for dressing rooms, it's always nice to go to Fulham because you get change in the cottage. Mm. It's not particularly good, but because of the history there, it's nice to go there.
1: Oh, brilliant. Oh, great. Um, Just quickly as well, what's what's the most difficult destination to get stuff sent to or or when you're travelling to? Because obviously you go to a lot of... um, San you know, Marino, places like San that. San Marino, Andorra, and and yeah. you know even down to Macedonia and stuff like that. it's is, is there really difficult locations that uh, we went to um, Baku last year? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which is we, we we took that for Wales, which is no mean feat, by the way, getting into Baku because you've got you've got a, <laughs> a two day drive across Turkey, you've got a two day drive to get to Turkey, you've then got to go through Georgia, you've then got to go through Armenia and try wow. and get into Azerbaijan. In fact, at one point, the lad ring me up. He says, "That's it. I'm leaving the van here. I'm walking home." <laughs> That's the kind of problem you're up against. <laughs> the wow. life of a kit man, yeah,
0: listeners, it isn't just washing shirts. I can assure you.
2: No, absolutely, it isn't. That's incredible. Um,
0: I think we're going to end on this one, Pat. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you what's been your um, what's been your favourite moment as a kit man.
2: Uh well, at club level, it was probably going to Wolves and winning five-one for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially the, especially what we're going through at the moment and what they're going through. They're knocking on the door of Champions League, and we're knocking on the door of Division One. Um, but internationally, I have to say that game against um, Colombia in Russia. Oh, really? The penalty shootout. Yeah, um, yeah. Eric, yeah, Dyer. Was, Eric um, Dyer, yeah. Because they kicked us all over the park as well. They tried absolutely everything. They did, yeah. Yeah. And um, the lads stood tall, and we got through it. And I think a lot of the lads would say, you know, it was probably one of the best games they played because they were they were all over the place, Colombia trying everything they could in the book. And they were tough. It was a tough game as well. It was very tough, yeah. Yeah. So that might that might be up there. But Germany in the Euros last year was fantastic.
0: You got plenty of good memories. Plenty. Yeah,
2: I have. Yeah. With a bit of luck, we'll be making some more in November
0: fingers crossed um i hope so pat thank you very much you've been amazing
1: no problem thank you for having me thank you so much pat thank you mate no problem
0: here at hitting the areas podcast we are big supporters of the mnd association for this series motor neuron disease is a fatal rapidly progressing disease that affects the brain and the spinal cord leading to loss of movement speech and ultimately the ability to breathe. My name's Richard Kaisner. I, I lost my dad to this disease last year and that's why we support it. If you can visit their website, which is the MND Association, if you just Google that, there'll be more information about the disease and also how you can donate if you wish to.
1: Thank you. Rich, so that was our interview with Pat Frost. How, how good was that?
0: You know me well, Jambo. I've been wanting to get a kit man on for ages. Um, So to get the England kit man on was fantastic. Um, Really good to finally meet Pat, uh, even though it was on via Zoom. But uh, yeah, we've been talking to him for a while, asking him to come on. um, And he was fantastic. Um, And I really hope that we've given our listeners a real insight into the life of a kit man, because it isn't just dealing with the match kit. There is so much going on, which, which you've just heard that he has to organise and all of his staff has to organise. And also the sort of, you know, the sort of responsibility. They they earn the trust of these mi- millionaire footballers um, and they can't take that for granted. They they have to be just as professional in their job as the players are on the pitch. Um so i'm i'm over the moon that we finally got to speak to pat um and i'm sure i'm sure that it'll be a favourite amongst our listeners it's certainly one of my favourites already um but yeah lovely bloke um and also nice to nice to hear all the good things he had to say about you know gareth harry uh even even you know the sort of bantering has with jack grealish that is really good to hear you know we're all England fans in the, the day when it comes to these tournaments we want England to win um so to hear that there is that good atmosphere behind the scenes and probably the best he's probably seen although he hasn't he, he didn't say that um it certainly come across that way
1: yeah I was really interested with the logistics part of it and obviously the the traveling and how they how they ship the equipment and what equipment gets shipped via them um you know, because everyone, like you say, everyone seems to think like the guy's just putting a kit out, washing it, cleaning some boots, but there's just a whole operation involved with it. Um, and, and, you know, that's things that people won't know. We didn't know that. You know, we didn't know everything about that. We know a little bit, but um, yeah, it was just it was really interesting to hear some full stories, and, and especially with probably the most elite job in English football being the England national team um but interesting to hear that club club kit men have it a lot harder um and you know and and how difficult it is for them because obviously the amount of games involved all the way through the season whereas pat literally has like he says november march and then the international fixtures throughout the year um but yeah it, it was just such a good good chat with such a thoroughly nice guy open mm-hmm. guy Um, able to tell us all about the sort of ins and outs and and what the players are like, which is great because the relationship he does need to have with them is quite close. He'll be be speaking to them day in, day out. Um, He'll be seeing them day in, day out. So you've got to kind of have that professional, but also at the same time um, a a, a friendly relationship with the players. He would Um, probably have
0: more interaction with the players than someone like Southgate would in terms of time and dealing with issues they probably have just as much time with them
1: yeah potentially because they're in that dressing room all the time whereas Mm. someone like someone like Southgate will have a manager's office and, and stuff like that and yeah he's not always he's not going to be around the players all the time in terms of you know preparing their stuff so yeah I kind of get what you mean there um but yeah great episode really hope people enjoy it um not not massively long Nope. Um, you know all the questions that we wanted that were answered, and and hopefully we've been a bit more informative. Um, and who better to get the England kit man to, to tell us about that?
0: And we really are living up to the name in terms of hitting the areas. We are going to try and hit all these uh, all these diverse areas of the game to give you different aspects um, of football. Um, and, we, and we are going to keep that up throughout this series.
1: Yeah, we got we got so many different areas that we're going to hit this time around um we're, we're literally just going to keep banging them out weekly you, you, you know and um once again like we said in the intro to, to this series in the preview review um about having anyone from anyone from non-league to latest football stories and stuff like that to authors and uh guys that you know people that may have books out that 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 you'd be interested in reading that book so anything like that really so just you know keep looking at our social medias the one thing that we really need you to do is subscribe so you know it it mean a lot to us if you could subscribe and leave a review especially on apple Podcasts. that's where we can get the get the more views um and make the podcast even bigger and more um, and more accessible Uh, obviously you know our twitter channels our instagram channels um they're available you guys to see at hitting the at hitting areas pod on twitter and at hitting the areas podcast on instagram we're also on linkedin so if you want to follow us on linkedin you can do again hitting the areas podcast but yeah hit that subscribe button and hit that and, and and leave us a really nice review if you're enjoying the podcast or or anyone that you would like us like to come on anyone that you think would have been an interesting guest that we could potentially get um, and have a chat with uh as realistic as possible <laughs> um, you also
0: want to mention a friend don't you jambo you want to mention a yeah, friend's account we've got,
1: we got a little mention this week in um in uh, a podcast that i follow um I, I follow a podcast called the haircuts and uppercuts podcast um and they gave us a lovely mention i, I i've just got into to boxing mainly because of that podcast you know i i tend to listen to podcasts that um are informative and and um you know, a real good listen, especially when I'm sort of driving to work or something like that. I'd love to listen to a real good podcast. Obviously, I quite, you know, I listen to like high performance podcast and, and Happy Place, Van cotton, and people, you know, those really, really top end ones. But haircuts and uppercuts got into it. Um, uh, don't know the boys personally, but, uh, you know, I know all of them. Um, so I started listening to that and it's, it's got me into boxing a little bit. You know, I started to watch the fights on the Saturday and Sunday. Um, so i want to give them a massive shout out it's a really good podcast um they're so passionate so informative so knowledgeable about the sport and it's and it's got me into boxing a little bit and um you know they they really know their stuff and it's a really good listen uh so thank you very much guys for the for the for the mention in the in the last episode of your podcast we really really appreciate it that's us for this week um we'll be back next week with another guest uh, look out on social media for who that guest will be again in the meantime if you want to tweet us and say get these guys on or whoever or whoever maybe a non-league star that you feel that should get a little shout out we'll be happy to interview them and and, and, and tell their story so that's it for this week we've been the hit in the areas podcast thank you very much